this is Alex from Startup Data Science, the podcast where you learn data science fundamentals enough to be effective. Right now we are in lesson four, part two. In lesson four, we had finished off, sort of closed out uh, convolutions after a review and had been introduced into collaborative filtering as sort of the first introductory concept of NLP, that's natural language processing. The homework, like part two, the homework was just continue the State Farm Insurance Kaggle, number one. Number two was to look at this database about movie like ratings, and Jeremy had shown in the second part how to use an Excel sheet to generate attributes that reflect the most important like tells of what can match a user with a movie using sort of the same principles of gradient descent and so the other part of the homework was just to look at that and just play around with it so this is part two and because you know we're all going at different paces we'll give we each give a quick update about exactly where we're at with the material in terms of um, where I'm at, I'm at having just finished lesson four. So I haven't really done the homework yet. Yeah, for me, um, I finished lesson four as well. I guess the homework assignments were like, yeah, to go through the um, like Kaggle competition of like State Farm, but I haven't really like worked on that yet. But yeah, like I did watch the video and I thought it was like really really interesting especially since like the things that I do um, like at Lingo Live uh, we do the recommendation uh, to match students and coaches like it, this is extra relevant to me than like the past few lessons so like I'm really really interested in this one for sure uh, this week I was able to give about an hour and uh, I haven't yet looked at the second part of the video, so I was just following notes. For, uh, for this lesson, for some reason, I haven't been much interested in listening to the video, and I've been finding the notes much more comfortable to work with, and that's what I've been doing. But I definitely plan on watching the video. Cool. So heart passed um just any emotional blockers that you had to work through uh this week or otherwise um this week it was very hard for me to get started with the learning there were a lot of changes i started working remotely and uh, just getting adjusted to a new schedule didn't leave me with a lot of time for learning but um, I still managed to work for some time and just go through the lesson because I had to do some, I had to progress a bit more on the learning. It was very hard and uh, I haven't had much success with staying motivated this week. For me, um, let's see, I also went through a few changes. I guess last week was my first week um, not working part-time for Lingo Live, so I had a lot of time to just focus on my new organization, Uncovery, and um, 
Yeah, so I, I worked a lot and not necessarily on data science stuff. So I was, I was happy, though, to um, get back in sync, you know, like doing a lot of like idea work or conceptual work and just sitting down and, you know, doing at least an hour of like, okay, now it's time to do some technical work, even if it's still conceptual at this point <laughs> but that was that was a nice like mm, yeah I'm really glad that I'm like still keeping it up alright and and it was and it was also good cause it was like um you know just thinking through the things at least once a week um in a really serious way made it so that I didn't forget what collaborative filtering was I was like oh yeah yeah, I remember this. Like, it has not been too long for me to just, like, come back with it. So that's really important. For me, my black my blocker was, yeah, just, like, not really having spent a lot of time with the material. But um, I did do a lot of, like, data science this weekend. Um, yeah, for work, I was just really, really interested in uh, finding whether or not there is a relationship between, like, the information we have about students and the information we have about coaches like basically with our new like matching algorithm that we're kind of cooking up at work i wanted to see okay given these variables uh we should be able to create a predictive model because that means like there is a relationship if the predictive model is successful but it proved to be a challenge because the data that i was using is like very very noisy and it was like only until maybe uh, a few hours ago, ago that I realized when I actually started talking to a bunch of people, um, like a bunch of coaches about the data that we have, that um, yeah, the, the data is noisy, I need to do a little bit more cleaning. But yeah, while doing it though, I, I did think about the things that we, I guess, learned. So one of the models that I used was logistic regression and logistic mm -hmm. regression just made me think of just neural networks in general because neural networks can be thought of just uh, a bunch of logistic regressions on top of each other. So that was kind of cool and nerdy, but yeah. Um, it was just long story short it was pretty busy doing like more like I guess quote simpler maybe simpler machine learning but yeah like it was, I've been kind of busy this week and just to clarify noisy data means what again so the hypothesis that we have at work is that um, let's say you want to work on pronunciation as a student you want to specifically work on i don't know let's say oh like you want to be able to be good at explaining things to people um and like if we match you with a coach who is like an expert on that it would, would probably be a good match the thing that i'm looking at um is I'm looking at the number of lessons that a student has had with a coach. If a match is good, then a student would probably take more lessons with a coach. And if a match is bad, then the l number of lessons that the student has had with a coach would be smaller. But it turned out that it wasn't really the case. For pe the If people don't have a lot of lessons with each other, 
it happens it, like it, it, it's basically there's a lot of like other variables that i haven't been looking at which is like a like availability if like availability is an issue maybe somehow like you got matched with a student um as a coach and like maybe for your first lesson back in 2015 but uh maybe you weren't able to teach like the second or third lessons maybe like you two clicked because um like the relationship is actually good like the the personality is good between you but back in 2015 we didn't have the idea of like uh pairing for your general availability so that was like kind of an issue so now like i need to like when i say noise yeah i have to like filter out part of the data set even more so that i could really get the the signal which is yeah if you um get paired with someone who is working at like yeah who is working for the things that you really want then it then yeah you should have more lessons in general got it cool um next one is yeah totally next one is heart future so anything you're looking forward to based on um what you've learned something that you're excited about um i can start just jumping off of what edric said like for my own work um something i thought was interesting about watching jeremy do the movie set was um how you could generate the the attributes that matter the most for both the user and the movie that correlate to a good match. So, like, the way Jeremy did it was just, like, you have all of the ratings 1 through 5 of, like, 10 users on 20 movies, let's say. And um, with that information, using some, like, math that you can do in Excel... You just randomly choose five attributes, four or five attributes for the user and four or five attributes for the movies and as, as numbers, as probabilities. And you create a, a loss function and then minimize it over time through a couple runs. You don't know exactly what the attributes stand for, but those four or five attributes model like what matters, I guess, in determining... Uh, those relationships because collaborative filtering is when you predict what a user will like or dislike based on other users with similar like or dislike patterns and that's different from asking the user what they like and then forecasting what they will like like yes i like sci-fi versus like oh we liked these 10 or 15 movies or dislike them in the same way so what does that mean is it sci-fi or is it more like you know dystopia that is really interesting to you. So, um, like, what was interesting, though, for me, just as an entrepreneur, was, like, that was a pretty limited data set, but it was pretty consistent about, like, how you get the movie rating for each thing. So, like, in my own business, like, where you basically create unlearning experiences for people, how do you design, like, something that has enough information per experience that the user can like give feedback on in a lightweight way that can then be reused to group users of like similar unlearning dispositions so that you can like decide how to give them like the experience that helps them 
uh, unlearn toxic behaviors or beliefs in like a productive way with the least amount of resistance. So just sort of like ordering or structuring it or that's too deep or whatever. So that was like a, a useful idea. Even like just to have conceptually to be like, okay, that needs to be part of the design, like upfront so that later on it'll be really useful. So I'm excited about that. Mm. Yeah. Um, the issue, um, well, I was, when I was listening to this um, and to hear you, uh, you talking about collaborative filtering, um, I have an, as a Netflix user, I have certain issues with that concept. And uh, this was something that I didn't realize that was a problem. But after um, understanding what collaborative filtering was, I started realizing why I would be recommended uh, why I would see certain recommendations on Netflix and that was kind of annoying because that would just still align with whatever I had watched previously and if I wanted to try something new that's where I was having a hard time looking into Netflix for so uh, it's like okay I like certain serial I like Breaking Bad I like Game of Thrones and suddenly all the recommendations are Stranger Things and uh, Black Mirror those kind of things but what if I want something else? Like, what if I want to watch something that's similar to, I don't know, Yes, Prime Minister. That was a serial that came about 50 years ago on BBC. And so I felt that this was kind of restricting my user experience as a user. And uh, although I found collaborative filtering to be pretty awesome, I discovered a lot of new serials which probably aligned with what I had watched, so probably aligned with my interest, but it kind of restricted what uh, some new experiences that I wanted to try. So I was wondering like how we could add some randomness to this just to gauge if users are interested in this one random thing, like how that would work. That is something I'm very much interested in kind of exploring so that we just don't follow a set trend and a set pattern. That's something I'm interested in knowing. As a small side note, um, I think Spotify does that with their uh, weekly discovery playlists where they can like introduce songs that maybe are a little outside of your comfort zone ah. to see how you react to them. And on their daily mixes, another way, so that's one way of introducing like some randomness. Mm -hmm. And the other way is um, like rather than making it with like one user, it seemed like on their daily playlist, like I have four or five different like music daily playlists, which sort of suggests that there's like five groupings that you can like fit me into. But I think I've seen other people have fewer than that, or you possibly you could have more than that. So you could like, you know, have sort of like multiple identities, like moods, I guess. Oh. Cool. Yeah, for me, my f heart uh, feature is like seeing like Jeremy Howard again, like go through the uh, movie lens data set and just talk about the state of the art and just be like, you know what? Like I'm gonna build something in 30 minutes uh, using a neural network that just completely destroys it. 
and yeah, that was like really, just, yeah, super funny and just yeah, pretty. I'm yeah, I'm I'm odd again by Jeremy. Just yeah, this is this is like um, amazing stuff that we're learning because of him and Rachel. So oh yeah, I mean, but besides that, yeah, like we've already talked about like the latent factors, which were like really cool. Um, makes me kind of like. Yeah, just it might, reminds me of like PCA, um, principal components analysis, which um, is pretty pretty cool because like it gives you like latent factors as well, but in a more like dimensionality dimensionality reduction setting. Um, but yeah, no, the, the whole thing of just like not coming up with a feature yourself and just like letting the number so to speak um like come up with an idea is pretty pretty cool yeah and just to clarify my vocab real quick a feature is like um just like an attribute i guess that is significant for determining like whatever you're interested in is yeah, right? I guess when, yeah, when I say feature, like it might be interesting or it might not be interesting. Um, it's just it's an attribute of the data. It doesn't have to be like useful for your purpose. It could actually be not useful. Cool. Um, let's see. Mine passed, so that's uh, anything you found like yeah, particularly interesting or a difficult concept you worked through that's memorable. So uh, just building on top of what Edric said, yeah, those latent um, factors, I guess, which is, um, I guess the way Jeremy explained it was if you have a user who is like an enthusiastic user and they're more just more likely to give like five ratings, then that's a bias in the user themselves rather than like a trait of the entire population. So when you're like using that as information to cut to sort of predict another user, you need to tone it down a little bit. And that's what those latent factors were. Um, but I was actually a little unclear on exactly how was that just calculated in the same way as everything else or uh, it was like added in at the end it was just like and add this so it was calculated in the same sense that like it was random at first but it was sort of integrated into the formula in a slightly different way you just had a placeholder for it so that it could do the biasing like and then we yeah basically boils down to y equals mx plus b where b is the bias yeah (laughs) yeah Back to the lines. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So real. I don't have any mind pass. I haven't spent much time this week on learning. Everything is mind pass. Yeah, I don't have any mind pass right now, too. Cool. And then uh, mind feature is just... Um, let's see. What is it again? I actually forgot. It's like... Uh, tips or tricks uh, that yeah, would waste. save. Uh, oh, yeah. Whoops. I, I actually... switched it. Mine feature is supposed to be how to remember things for the future and mine past is um, things we wish remember things you wish you knew. Exactly. Chat. 
Anyway, messed that up eventually. <laughs> um, yeah, so the true mind past, um, things that you wish you knew. For me, when I read over all of the original reading materials that sort of go over a progression of collaborative filtering and pseudo-labeling as well, just as usual, like, I think that would have been useful background to have maybe like a few weeks ago when we first started State Farm just to be like oh yeah pseudo labeling that can be like a really useful technique in that situation where you have way more images than ones that are labeled pseudo labeling being I guess um, where you can use what your current model to go ahead and guess what the what your unknown stuff is and use that structure if you were to graph it out you can see some structure to the data and you can use that structure to help you like learn material still even though it's a guess and you just like don't use too much of it jeremy says 25 to 33 percent per batch yeah that's really interesting just like you have a guess on top of a guess yeah that's pretty weird to me but yeah it looks like it works (laughs) yeah yeah there's like a a paper on it that i forget exactly how i understood it the first time i read about it but um it's just like yeah as long as you don't use too much of it it's it's fine you just have more more like i guess even if it's a guess the differences in your guess that makes it right or wrong like it's sort of you just get more information that wasn't there before and even if it's like a wrong guess or a right guess like that probability piece helps you see like what to focus on so as you're making more layers um you can like make more sense of it somehow but that's pretty colloquial like that's not really based on uh, of an understanding not based on anything yeah but like he said like uh, anything um a a lot of these things even the researchers have said like oh like this is how it works but then later someone builds this thing based on what the researchers recently said and like it's completely obliterated by this other researcher and yeah basically like yeah they they might say it's one thing but it might actually be something else that's real okay cool so i guess then we'll just close out with what was your biggest takeaway from this week we'll leave it at that Uh, i guess i could start like my biggest takeaway is that neural networks is really awesome like you can use it not just to like classify images but to also come up with um, I guess variables that you haven't really thought about like like using the neural networks in um, collaborative filtering type of setting um, which is pretty cool yeah that's my takeaway my takeaway has been learning about recommendation systems and uh, again kind of closing out on the understanding of convolution neural networks and uh, I think I'm finally at a place where I can move on to something else, like NLP, which is going to be discussed next. So this, uh, the last part of this lesson plan has been really helpful in kind of closing out on what we did 
for the past two months and uh, cementing that understanding and do NLP of, on this foundation that we've built for the past two months. So I'm pretty excited to start the second kind of a second chapter in deep learning to speak. Uh, that's my takeaway for this week. Right on. Um, yeah, for me, I guess it was just pretty mundane. Just like, uh, you know, this week was a bit of a break from the, the previous lessons and that the homework was way less intense. So it's just like, do what you did last time and maybe look at this data set. So, like, you know, I guess for me it was just like, yeah. You know, I went through the material, I conceptualized it enough, and I'm ready for the next lesson. And I'm not too worried about not doing the homework because um, I can always go back to it if it comes up. So just not being... I think when I first started out, I was super like, oh, I didn't do the homework, I'm in trouble. But um, for now I'm like, oh, it's going to be fine. Like, the next homework, at the very least, will build on top of what we were supposed to do this week, probably. So <laughs> that's um, a sign of maturity, probably. Thanks for listening to episode nine of Startup Data Science. In the next episode, we will look into the first part of the fifth lesson of Practical Deep Learning for Coders, which is an introduction to natural language processing and recurrent neural networks. See you then. <laughs>